WNST, Towson, Baltimore, and Baltimore Positive. We are positively uh, presenting some great, great stuff here. Radio Row history is what we're in the uh, in the midst of doing is the month of February. But I'm also mixing in some here and now when the Ravens are out hiring offensive coordinators. And this guy will be here on Thursday talking about all things Ravens and probably a little Orioles, given the John Angelos news this week as well. Uh, he'll be here from three until five. He is Dennis Colazzo. You can find him out at D Colazzo Show as well as Dennis Colazzo, as, well, as well as on the front of Baltimore Positive. Been a little while. We had a little downtime, you and I, Super Bowl and Mahomes and all of that. And certainly a nice time to get away when it's uh, cold here and warm in other places. But the Ravens in whatever they're doing here in the next mm. six or eight weeks, we're about to find out, right? We've talked a lot about this in the last six, eight weeks, but we're about to get up on it. And the first piece is they've hired an offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, some college, some pro um, you know, the, the uh, thorough search. I have no complaints with this hire. None. I, I don't either. And again, it just goes to show you that even with the uncertainty of quarterback, it's still a, it was still a very, very attractive position for for an experienced coordinator to come in. Don't know that he was their first choice. Looks like they were trying to get Eric Bannemi's attention. The interest wasn't mutual from what I gather. But I'm happy with a, with a pick. It, it'll elevate the offense into the 21st century. There'll be more emphasis on the passing game. We saw the type of offense he ran at Georgia the last two seasons. And it opens up, like you said, a lot of possibilities, including maybe the drafting of Stetson Bennett, who uh, may have gone undra undrafted, may have been a free agent. But uh, we'll see how that plays out because here's a uh, quarterback who had great success with the Monk in, in college, and we'll know his offense right away. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're getting way ahead on all of this. I am ahead, right? man. I'm not, not, not saying a guy's going to start. I, you know, I don't know that he's a starting caliber quarterback in the, in the NFL, but I think in the backup role and who knows what's going to happen with the Lamar Jackson situation, all things uh, to me are pointing to a tag and trade scenario, but I do like Munkin and I've even looked at the uh, offensive players uh, for Georgia to see who would be a good fit for the Ravens uh, since he's had experience with them. You know, it's fascinating because I've been doing a little traveling and talking to people and people run into me and they want to talk Ravens with me. Um, in addition to Radio Row and all the stuff we've been presenting, people have been coming at me about, oh, I didn't know you interviewed Johnny Cochran. I'm like, hey, oh, well, there it is. Go check it out if you want to hear it. You know, and we talked about, believe it or not, it was 2003. The conversation was about race and hiring in the NFL. The Rooney rule was a brand new rule then. So interesting things have happened. But I, the, the interesting thing for me is where people are are on Lamar and the public sentiment, not amongst, and you always divide the world into Lamar fans and Ravens fans. And some yep. of them are both. Yep. We're Ravens fans here. Right. And we would say we're going to be Ravens fans. If Lamar's playing for the Falcons in five weeks or whatever, yeah. you have no problem. I mean, you're, it's almost sounds flippant when you say it, that, you know, I think they're going to tag and trade him. Like we've never had to predict anything like this in 27 years of covering the team. I, I go back to that Ray Lewis um, piece. I unearthed 24 minutes with Ray Lewis in Tampa in 2009 mm -hmm. when he on from radio row, when he was sure. about to go out and seek his value. There's so many scenarios in all of this and it's so way more complicated than chess. I don't know what game to compare it to canasta. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but when you're talking about this organization saying, okay, we're going to tag and trade you, Lamar, go find your best deal, get your agent. He doesn't have an agent. I don't even know how this gets orchestrated 
that the Ravens get three number one picks for somebody and Lamar gets $228 million of guaranteed money from an how How does this happen without a middleman, without an agent? I mean, th- th- all of this is so weird. And if he comes back here and plays here and signs here and there's a kumbaya moment, you and I are going to have to swallow a lot of our words and where we are and where the way we've measured this and seen it this way. Cause this is not what they're talking about over one Oh five, seven or definitely over PAL because they're, you know, they're under contract. They want to keep their press pass. But like to me and you, it feels very obvious. And I don't know, I'm not a betting guy and neither are mm-hmm. you, but if we were going to bet on, on what's going to happen here, I would strongly you know, it's a strong advisement that they they're going to deal him, and you feel the same way. Why is it that not everybody else feels this way? Well, because I, I think it goes back to my experience, my truth. I think we, you know people look at things through their own lens, and and that lens oftentimes it's distorted. Then I don't have blind love for the player any more than I have blind love for the team. Although I was very much in, all in on the player when he was drafted, but there are some things that cause you to, to pause, right? Uh, the injuries, you can't get around that. The last two Decembers, he hasn't been available to lead the team into the playoffs. Uh, the social media presence, uh, the immaturity that we've seen snapping back uh, at a fan. And now I saw Patrick Queen a couple of weeks ago get into it with a fan, try to educate him on the finer points of the game. And then, of course, uh, he goes uh, off the Twitter and now there's speculation he'll also be traded. But uh, this this is a very image conscious organization Nestor, uh, Steve Bustadi, uh, welcome back, uh, Ray Rice with open arms until the video came out, right? So uh, the man wants to protect his image. He's made a lot of money. He's a businessman first and a football owner second. And so to me, reading the tea leaves as you have all along, I just don't see this having a happy ending between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And I think both parties are going to be fine no matter what happens. Well, we are in the minority out loud in saying that, right? And I don't know what point this happens or where the, but the chips are starting to fall, right? They have a um, non-denominational offensive coordinator. Is that fair to say, right? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you, you, non-denom like literally, right? I mean, he can he's can draw plays for anybody. He and he yes, has he can. Yes, in he good can. teams and bad teams. He's been a head coach at Southern Miss and do very well at that point. But that's about recruitment. I mean, he was in the college game where these kids yeah. are now getting paid a little bit of money. Yep. I mean, I get that. Fee- Every time I watch Maryland play basketball and I watch this guy oh, Willard run around, and whether they're beating Purdue or whether I sat there for two and a half hours and watched them lose to Nebraska yeah. uh, the other night. Right. And I invested my there was no football on Sunday. And I'm like, Okay, maybe it's time to watch the Terps. Terps are oh, in the big one. They're amazing. playing in Lincoln. Where and oh, oh that okay. was amazing, you know. amazing. But I would just say for this guy to come back and say, "I'm going to be in the NFL." You mentioned that the enemy, and obviously the the guy up in Philadelphia was waiting for the next chair, and uh, and then the Colts hire the offense court. Like all that happens, but. For me, that to say we had 14 of this and we we hired minority candidates and we Rudy ruled and we followed all that, it feels to me like Todd Munkin was the guy they wanted to hire. And and in the beginning, I, I didn't get the sense that they were holding out for anybody mm-hmm. in any particular way other than for it to be over with. And I think there's there's an exhale that's happened now that that's happened for John and Calais Campbell has announced he's coming back, right? So you can talk about Patrick Queen. You can talk about Lamar and and what that would represent and where those deals would be. But I think they're headlong now into combine. Yep. Into 
player evaluation. It's a time for for pay and play and all their guys except for Lamar, and they have that $50 million put aside. But in my mind, if they're moving on from Lamar, they're moving on. Luke brought up a great point. This will be something great for your show this week uh, from 3 until 5 that you could talk to Luke about. That it won't be as easy as we make it out to be that Lamar's great. Someone will want Lamar. Look at what happened with Deshaun Watson last year. Everybody got all in. That there will just be multiple suitors out there willing to give the Ravens an attractive array of draft capital as well as a starting corner or a, you know a, a slot receiver or something that the Ravens would want. I don't know. This is going to be fascinating because – the first thing that you said is he hadn't played in the playoffs the last two years. So let's who, wherever you're welcoming him. And if you're in some God awful place like Atlanta, Carolina, yep. you know, after all Tampa has been through with Tom Brady, you bring in a Messiah who runs around and sells tickets and is exciting. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know that he has to bring a parade to Tampa. They just had one. Right. So he needs to bring excitement that, you know, like there's a different level of why you would want Lamar Jackson, what you would be willing to give up from ownership to the general manager, to the head coach that inherits him. Right. That would say, I can win with him. I know I can win with him. The Ravens were pretty convicted about being able to win with him so much so that they took five years of their lives Five years of John Harbaugh's career and five years of Eric DaCosta's career and Ozzy's last pick and all of that. Steve's five years of his ownership where he probably began the five years thinking he wouldn't own it five years later and he's still here. And there was a plague. Mm -hmm. I, I, all of that's baked into this, but they have to find somebody to dance for Lamar. And Luke brought up that, that really difficult part of, okay, Lamar, you're free to negotiate. Who does he negotiate? Is he on the phone with Stephen Ross? Is he oh, flying I down to Miami on a Learjet and hanging out and putting his feet up like LeBron and talking about where he's taking his talents? I mean, I because all that's about to happen, right? If is, that's going to happen, right? Right? I think it's going to happen, uh, Nestor. I think he will negotiate with teams once he's tagged and because he's his own, he is very much his own agent. And I think there'll be a bidding war for his services from some of these poverty franchises you just you just named there's pressure on the ownership to sell tickets pressure on the head coach uh to you know to put fannies in the seats and to get some w's and let's keep in mind it's a, it's a 53 man sport and we also saw patrick mahomes in the super bowl right uh, aside from uh, from travis kelsey who were his receivers so we saw a generational talent clearly the best quarterback in the nfl elevate a group of no-name receivers lamar jackson has improved he can do that Right. He, he, you know, Patrick Mahomes is worth a half million dollars, but I'm, I'm not sure that the, or five hundred million dollars, whatever the number was, five hundred million dollars. But Lamar Jackson, as much as I like the guy, he hasn't proven he can do that. And the Ravens have enough. They have an offensive line. They have a defense. They have coaching. They have special teams. They have a running game. They have the pieces that with adequate quarterback play and adequate passing offense, they can make some noise in the playoffs and continue to be a force in the AFC. Adequate is that Derek Carr? Is that Tyler Haneke? I mean, who, what's adequate? I mean, well, because adequate that's is, the first yeah. question: is wait, if it's not if it's not Lamar Jackson, let's hope it's not Tyler Huntley. I mean, I don't. That's not. Good. No, I don't think it's Huntley. I think he proved that in the playoffs he's not the guy. So you, maybe you bring in a Taylor Heineke while C.J. Stroud or somebody like that, uh, Anthony Richardson, whoever they draft high, gets ready. He'll keep the chair warm for the first, let's call it, eight games of the season. Uh, and if the Ravens are playing 500 ball and you insert the rook in there and uh, he starts looking okay. They have a shot, but 
But this is a team that never rebuilds. This is a team that retools and reloads regardless of who's playing quarterback for them. They're going to be competitive. They're going to be competitive enough with or without Lamar Jackson. That's my feeling. Dennis Galatos is here. He will be there on your dial from 3 until 5 on Thursday uh, and as well as Sunday morning from 8 until noon on the Sunday Sports Force. You can find him out at the front of Baltimore Positive. You can also find him over Coons Forest, Security Boulevard, back in the game over there, President's Day, uh, and uh, still as many cars as anybody on the lot. I don't know how you're doing it over there, but uh, I got the shirt rolling out here as well. For, for, for the rest of this, for the Ravens, Calais Campbell, a piece, obviously, defensive coordinator was something they sought last year. That was the hiring of last year's campaign that John now has this thing where he wants it. Eric has it where he wants it. They have, I would think, if they're thinking we won't have Lamar, that the draft becomes even more important, right? Because now you're looking for a quarterback, right? I mean, and, and that would be the homework that's really going on inside football out in the castle, which is if they've made their mind up, that there is no more Lamar. Yep. Then it's even more paramount that whatever they get back in draft capital, that they're ready to go pick football players eight weeks from now. Yeah, they they have to, and they have to get it right. That's the other piece. I think they have about a thirty percent chance of getting it right. There's also Baker Mayfield, uh, and let's talk about names lurking in the background. <laughs> who was who has a lot of success under Tom, uh, Todd Munkin uh, in Cleveland, right? And they break much. I've always liked Baker. I don't like his personality. Hopefully he's grown up a little bit, but he's he's a free agent, so I wouldn't be surprised. And and Baker can play good enough ball to get you into the playoffs, particularly with a with a good offensive line, running game, and a defense. So I wouldn't be surprised if if they if they bring Baker in and and maybe they don't draft a quarterback. Did you fall asleep on the game the night when he came back with the Rams, or were you watching that one? I was watching it. I was I was actually rooting for the guy. I thought it was a great story. Yeah. So I mean, I. I, he's a, he's a I, I, I'm not he's a tough. hater. I think he's a little bit of a punk, you know, in that. He's a punk, but, he, of... but he's a but he's a tough guy though, and he, he he actually fits if you think about it. He actually fits Baltimore. Chip on his well, shoulder, a little bit undersized. Trent Dilfer, you, you know, would have more of a. Yeah. He, he's got. He's yeah. a one-one. I mean, you know, but he is but a that one-one. being said, with him. And I don't I've know what the money would ish, look like with right? Baker. I I don't know what's that. I've seen a lot of ish in my life, right? Like I know you have. whether it's Bo Jackson. Deion Sanders, I think Jim Abbott, I mean, aside from everything with Jim Abbott, like crazy. And I think about like the, the guy that came in and played goalie from the stands in Carolina, like like things that have happened in legitimate sporting events, not Eddie Goodell or anything circusy. And, and not even Willis Reed or Lamar Jackson using the potty in Cleveland and coming back and winning. I'm talking about getting dealt to another franchise as an NFL quarterback during a short week and then coming in, having never met your teammates and winning Amazing. the game. Amazing. Like, I, I like that's still like. And the blowout, right? I mean, he was, really throwing, there. he was throwing strikes, right? I mean, he, he didn't even know the plays. They had to tell him what the plays were in the huddle. I thought those folks volumes for, of his character and his yes, the guy Yes, can, he he'll can always have that. And he's me. still and he's still a young quarterback. There's still and keep in mind he does have a track record with Munkin, his offense. It could be a fit. Call me crazy, but uh, I and think he was he, drafted higher than Lamar. Ask him. <laughs> He'll be quick to tell you that. But wouldn't that be something, right? Again, I there's there's multiple scenarios that can play out. And maybe you keep this window open to be competitive because unless you have the dude at quarterback, it doesn't make sense to place the franchise tag on him. 
and to extend them. That's the other piece of it. You better be sure he's going to be the real deal, available, what you want to represent your franchise. It just goes on and on. There's a big picture here, just more so than what the guy does on the field when he's on the field. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how much money he's made versus Lamar, you know, now that all the incentives have been oh, made. Yeah. But he got some commercial money and whatnot. But yeah, it well, is interesting where they are in the in the pecking order. Baker Mayfield, available free of charge. Lamar Jackson, I want three number ones, and you have to give him $200 million. Yeah. And he might not be available in January. M- might not be, right? Might I mean, be. hasn't been the last couple of years during the prime of his career. So it, it's fascinating how – the, uh, the stones are valued in the garden, well, right? Well, like literally, think about right? this way too, Nestor. They 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 sign him, right? They give him whatever two and a quarter guaranteed. They get him receivers, and the offense doesn't improve because he still can't make the throws outside of the numbers because whatever. Now now you're stuck. Now you're stuck for a long long time, which is why I don't I just don't see that guaranteed contract given up by the Baltimore Ravens. Maybe there's another team that'll do it for him, but it won't be the Ravens. We said that you and I have said that from day one. Well, I think I read Steve Bishotti's body language, although I didn't get a chance to ask any questions. <laughs> um, speaking of ownership and poor ownership, any thoughts on, on John Angelos right now and the fact that he's oh, I, now I saw him out. down in I saw him down in Florida talking to Brandon Hyde. That's uh, but still hasn't opened up the book, so that's that's been very telling. So I don't know, I don't know about you, but when I tell somebody when I do something, I have a tendency to do it 100 percent of the time. Not 99, 100. 100. If, if I tell you I'm going to jump off the roof tomorrow at noon, I'll, I'll be up there at quarter of 12 uh, warming up, flapping my wings. You know what I'm saying to you? So if you're going to be transparent, if you're going to offer that to the public, to the media, and you don't follow through, what does that say about you? It says exactly what it says about you. Speaks volumes, right, to it, me. So. It's really loud for being quiet, I, I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. So we'll root for the team. Look forward to, to spring training and the Orioles, and we'll follow them. And they're up and coming, and they're young. But uh, the investment, certainly the offseason investment that was promised uh, uh, hasn't been there for me, for us. Nor has the signature wet with ink on a long-term mm. lease to guarantee that the fans should be fully invested in Wow. Why not a one out of five year? You know, why not why, why not a signature on a five year lease as they work on a longer lease? At least when I put the, the next five years to, to rest versus as you know what I'm saying to you. There's, and how you about can, you, whatever that vision is for what you're asking for from the state of Maryland as you <laughs> as you go forward? What what's the vision? What what do you think that parking lot should be? How big yeah. should the casino be? You know what I mean? Like just basic questions like that. Sure, you know, sure. Look, I haven't been to Nashville yet. Uh, hopefully we'll go this year to watch the Ravens play. Uh, but I, I certainly don't want to watch the Orioles play in Nashville as, as their home team. Yeah, I don't want to well, see it happen in my lifetime. You, you, you know, I saw he was answering questions, John Angelos, this week. And I think it's fascinating that asking for money, asking for a deal, negotiating, and then somehow for the first time like ever coming out into the forefront and like trying to do proactive PR, even not doing it well, right, but trying to – do what you and I do every day. Man. Front for our business. Try to be right, guys. Try to sell mm. a car. Mm. Try to sell a sponsorship. Try to sell a concept. And so, like, literally, just be be a dude. You know, be 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 a guy, right? Uh, like, literally, he's trying. Imagine, he's out in front of it all of a sudden, right? Can you imagine owning the Baltimore Orioles uh, and and being the face of the franchise and being that front and and doing great things and and being transparent and how proud and you honest. could be of it, yeah. even if you lost, you could still be proud yeah. of it. I, I told you, as, as a as a Greek American, I was extremely proud when when Peter Angelos bought the uh, bought the, the franchise. I thought he was going to do great things with it, based on his track record as an attorney. 
I had no reason to think otherwise. I think he would use it as uh, Eddie, but the Bartle Jr. uses it in San Francisco with the Niners. Just, just yeah, it's his toy, right? Something he can be proud of. Something he can win a lot at. Be, not, not something he would just focus on making money off of. He didn't win a lot. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He you made money I mean? off he, it, though. He, he made a lot of money off of it, right? But to me, the, the legacy. He won a lot of battles. Yeah, but the a legacy. The, what's, what's the legacy, though? And to me, well, it's all about the legacy. What are you leaving behind? You know, I once had a conversation with Steve Bishotti about Peter Angelos's legacy, like a, a long, deep one. I'm going to write about that one day. Uh, Dennis Colazzos will be here. He'll be writing his book on Thursday from three until five. And again, on Sunday morning from eight until noon, they tell him something about Coons Baltimore for like, hey, give me, let me in on what's going on. President's day, this, that volume deals, how you get trade ins. I'm hearing, more than like trade-ins are going back up again. Like that, that when, when it comes again, time yes. for me, my wife to get rid of our jalopy, you're going to give us more money. For yeah. I went to a meeting, um, a Ford meeting actually in Florida. And when Jim Farley was there, the, uh, the, the CEO of Ford and gave us a lot of great information, but for President's Day weekend week, and until the end of the month, we have 0% for 36 months on no, 2022 F-150. So somebody who was thinking about paying cash, use Ford's money for 36 months at 0%. And uh, that way you have an interest to flat loan and, Put your money in the bank right now. I believe most high-yield savings accounts are giving up like 4% money, four and a quarter. So you can make money on your money and use someone else's money. That's a big message right now. Ness, we have a lot of great finance deals on most of our products. I'll say this. I was in Texas last week, okay? And, and I was on the back roads of Florida as well. So say what you will politically about the states, wherever they are, and, <laughs> and what they produce and, and, and what they mean. I drove from Tampa to Orlando. And then I drove from Houston to Austin. I had never been anywhere near any of those places. Part of my deal is I want to see some new things, right? So I saw more trucks and pickup oh. trucks, specifically in Texas. It's truck, on, truck like, country. And, and more than that, and not trucks in a Harford County kind of, right. I live in a townhouse and I have a big truck because I think it's cool, but like legitimate farmers, legitimate people doing things of the earth, of the soil, of the land in general that Ford would offer something like that at this time would say to me, Hey, if you need a new one and yep. you're doing work, this is a great, you know, I mean, and we have a lot of That's people that work with tools and do work and need a truck, they need a work truck that this is a time to talk about that. But I saw it in Texas. It was just, I got overrun by trucks. I'm like, what are all these people doing? I'm like, Oh, everything's spread out. That guy's probably like got chickens and, Pigs and he's a farmer, you know, but I saw just so much of that. And it was obvious to me, you know, I have a friend who runs a, a huge Ford store in, in Austin. His name is uh, Greg Kimball, Maxwell Ford. I'll give them a shout out. But uh, he was just we were just talking about the truck market down there and uh, they pump a lot of a lot of Ford trucks in that market. And Houston and Austin are two different cities, aren't they? It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's, it's, and and yeah. I'm a guy, okay, so I, full experience, plenty of time in Dallas, plenty of time in Houston, plenty. 30 days of my life in both places, maybe more, right? Austin, one night of my life in Austin, my brother lived there 20 years ago and I went in for a Springsteen concert, saw very little, wound up hanging out all night with Brian Baldinger, uh, Troy Aikman, Jason Garrett, before he was the coach of the Cowboys, mm. and, um, and uh, Kurt Menefee. Menifee and Baldinger were doing games together then. This is 20 years ago. So I'm at the four seasons, and I saw nothing in Austin other than Nils Lofgren and Gary W. Talent, right? I went back on a whim 
because Bruce was playing. I knew it had been a growing mm-hmm. place. It, it was going to feel like a place I had never been. And it did. It didn't feel anything. Didn't look, smell anything like anything I remember from 20 years ago at all. But more than that, like going to a place like that and you can see what Baltimore could become and what yep. great, what places that, that have right. infrastructure, have things going forward, have population going forward, have ideas going forward, obviously have a university going forward there and a state mm-hmm. capital and a lot of, a lot of oil money. That's very obvious, but Austin, it was like not being in Texas. And I don't even mean that as a purgative thing. I just mean from what I know about San Antonio, mm-hmm. Dallas, Houston, and everything I've seen there, it all looks the same. All three of those places look like the same city to me, and they look like Texas. There's a highway. There's yep. a weird on-ramp to every highway that's an access road. There's a Whataburger. There's all of that, right? There's a Chick-fil-A. There's all the same stuff we got here, but it looks the same. You go to Austin, you would think you're in – Raleigh, North Carolina, or you'd be in Portland, Oregon. It's greener. It's not as flat. It's hilly. It looks different. The buildings look different. Mm-hmm. The architecture, every part of it is different. And I couldn't get, I couldn't get over it. I, I kept texting my wife. I, I said, I, I'm blown away. So tell your friend, give me the shout out again at your Ford dealership. It's uh, it's Maxwell Ford, and its name is Greg Kimball. Really, really good guy. Knows Earl Campbell. In fact, uh, done some business with Earl. We, we, we struck up a conversation about the great mm, Earl Campbell. I'm wearing Euler blue, and I'm taking a yes, look at are. this throwback. You know, I, I don't – Got to get Earl on the show for sure. You know, I don't buy much on eBay beyond my uh, – beyond my uh, the, the, the normal belt buckles I buy, but I did a search – Big mistake. I went into vintage <laughs> stores in Houston looking for some Oilers stuff, you know, just like this to look, you know, give me something to do. It, am I really shopping? If I see some for 50 bucks, maybe. But the idea, it's the, it's the journey. It gets me onto a road, puts me into a coffee shop I wouldn't find, into a hat store or whatever. And this Euler search, Dennis, I hope I can show this to you. You see this yep. Euler jacket oh, here? I like it. I like see, it. See, I, I found this on eBay and I'm thinking, I got to have this, right? I mean, you know, so I started shopping around, but Austin, Texas, all I did was sit in the car. My back hurts because I drove so much going to places. You tell your buddy in Austin, I had the best Tex-Mex meal. All due yep. respect to El Guapo, any of our friends back to Chi Chi's at Taco Bell. All yes. right. I had a meal, Dennis, that was a meal. I mean, like it was so unbelievably delicious. Now, where were you at? Okay, so uh, I I have a friend that that lives down in in Austin. Uh, he's a transplant from New Jersey, um, and and everybody asks him why do you live there and like what's down in Austin. The place is called Enchiladas Imas. That's Enchiladas Y M A S. Enchiladas Imas, and it's. 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15, every year, best Mexican in Austin, Tex-Mex, all that. It is the most humble Mm. cafeteria. It's on the north side of Austin. It's on a regular road. It's in a regular place. But if you're from Austin, you know about it. And I knew about it when I Googled it and saw it had 4,700 reviews and 4.6 stars. And everybody – it's simple, man. You asked me what it was. I got fajitas. They were chicken and beef and green, uh, green peppers and onions. I got beans. They were just beans. And I had rice. It was just rice. It had cheese on it. I had guacamole. It was guacamole. I had, I, I had shells and, and wraps. Every, I had a Coors Light. I didn't even get Gucci on the beer. I didn't even go long. Nah, didn't, it didn't was one of the best meals I've, I've had, and it was 20 bucks. 
<laughs> and you know what? The funny thing is, uh, it's hard for that type of food to stand out. So <sighs> the, the, the fact that you have an outstanding Tex-Mex meal says a lot because a lot of it tastes the same no matter where you go. Yeah. So when, and when it you, but wasn't... it's different though when it stands out, especially for 20 bucks, that's a home run. This is, you know, like my buddy Julio runs Tommy's Mexican. Like, love it. It's incredible. Get the, get the shrimp Veracruz. It'll blow your mind. But this was unexpected. You know, I thought I was getting barbecue and this and that. And I'm like, I said to Jen, I brought her home some barbecue. I spent a hundred bucks, brought home ribs, brought home a crown rib, mm. the whole deal. Delicious. We've been eating it the last three days. Nice. And I said to her, Austin, Texas, underrated. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'll never go to Dallas or Houston again. <laughs> there you go. And it's great food in Dallas and Houston, too. Both great cities. I had a good time in Houston. I, and, you know, one of the things I've been doing, and, and you'll appreciate this from the sports, from the sports heart, right? In my youth and back when we were both kids in Essex and Dundalk running around Sedonia and Colgate Mall uh, or, or Colgate East Point Mall, the whole deal. Mm -hmm. I used to dream of what the Omni would look like because of the wrestling matches and Georgia Championship Wrestling or whatever. Yeah. It was it was it was Octagon. The Omni was a weird building. I went it there was. one time. I went for college basketball. I saw March Madness. I saw four games there one day. Alabama played with Wimp Sanderson in the in the suit on the – it was, you know, holding the roll tide roll, the whole deal. So I had beautiful experiences in these older buildings. But since they've put up newer buildings in places, I went to the Houston Summit 30 years ago where famously – Akeem the Dream, Clyde Drexler, but more than that, Journey had that MTV video, was at the Houston Summit with Steve Perry. It's legendary, right? So I'd been there, but I had never been to the Toyota Center, even though I'd mm. done took a couple of Super Bowls and it's been there and there have been Rockets games and pink concerts and whatever. And in the back in the day, Casey Willard or Ray, I have pictures of them at the pink concert. Yeah, I didn't go. So I'd never been in that building. I went to Atlanta for the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Never went in the building there. Uh, there's a statue of Dominique Wilkins outside. I took mm. a picture with the statue. I don't know if there's a Spud Webb statue, but there should be. Um, so I, But I had never been in the building. And this Springsteen tour, I've had a chance to go into a couple of really Gucci basketball gyms. You know what I mean? Like, they're clearly built for basketball. I mean, right. uh, the uh, one in Austin, Texas – is a, a college gym, you know, a little different. Moody Center and the people that are redoing the Baltimore Arena, the CFG Bank Arena, did that one. Um, and in Houston, the Toyota Center, a little older. Atlanta, that State Farm Arena, a little old. Mm -hmm. But they have, like, club seat balconies in, like, a different – it doesn't look like the Staples Center, and it doesn't look I like gotcha. the D.C. building or the they, – they look different. And so I've checked out new buildings, too. So I, food, buildings – Springsteen family. How, got how was the concert? How, how was how was the concert? Because I know he's coming to MIT Bank Stadium. You recommend the uh, the show. Well, here's the deal: you, when you see somebody like Bruce and you've been seeing him your whole life, you're always waiting for him to slow down. Kind of like Tom Brady, right? We were all waiting for Tom Brady to like slow down a little bit, and it wouldn't be as good as it once was. And we've all seen rock stars slow down. I mean, U two's about to tour without their drummer. Right. Like because he can't physically play right now and they need to go make money, apparently. Um, but seeing Bruce right now, mm -hmm. it's still as good as it's ever been, as good. good as it can be at 73. Now, he's wow. not crowd surfing. He's playing wow. two hours and 45 minutes. Right. But he is going out to the crowd or 10th Avenue freeze out. He's not doing knee dives anymore. Any of that kind of stuff. I mean, he's in it for the long haul. And I'll, how about this? This is 
this would be the best thing I can say about Bruce because I'm about to go on respite and I might not talk too much about it until mm-hmm. we see him again in April when he shows up here. He was better the fourth time than the first time. I've seen the show four times, twice the first week, twice the second week. I, I would say this, he, he was, he's getting better. And okay. we could all hope to just be getting better, right? If we're okay. all getting better, Absolutely. you're getting better at Coons Baltimore Ford. I know you are, right? I would like to think so. Look, we, we just saw Boys to Men. They've been together for 31 years, and they were better than ever. And so I do appreciate that when artists are still climbing, still getting better. Uh, we saw the Eagles a couple of years ago. Same thing. Glad I saw a bunch of guys in the mid-70s that are iconic. So uh, I appreciate that, and I will, I will get my Bruce Springsteen uh, tickets thanks to you. Well, here's what I'm going to say about Bruce, and this is interesting for football, okay? So if you have Peyton Lamar changing the offense, right? You have Peyton Manning at 38. You're doing things for Peyton Manning that you're not doing to Peyton Manning at 28, right? And with Bruce, he's brought the brass and the Mm. singers, right? So he has four background singers and a brass foursome to go along with Jay Clemens. Guys have been getting COVID. Nils Lofgren had COVID in Houston. Jay Clemens, there was no sax player. In uh, Thursday night in Austin, Ed Mannion came down. They played two songs without a sax that they mm. always play sax in, right? So things have cheap. Bruce is, you know, he's he's audibling right through gotcha. this. But more than that, this brass that he's brought out creates sections that have to be done now. He does Kitty's back every night. He's doing a whole brass thing, a Marvin Gaye mm-hmm. sort of Motown thing that he's doing that she, awesome. that he's excited about. So you should be excited about it too because you even if you've seen Bruce a thousand times, you haven't seen Bruce sing Marvin songs and and do that sort of yeah. thing. He's got a couple of the new songs, but Good. if you want to see the girl next to me kept saying in Austin. Is he going to play Born to Run? Is he? <laughs> I said, sweetie, he's going to play Born to Run, Glory Days, 10th Avenue, yeah. Freeze Out, Rosalita. You're going to be here dancing on your seat. You're going to leave here in a cold pool That's of sweat. Awesome. And That's she awesome. They're there. Yeah, well, you know, at 73, you know, uh, they're not getting any younger. So these legends, if I get a chance to see them, uh, I'm all in. I'm going to go. In the eternal words of Bruce Springsteen, it's a town full of losers, and we're pulling out of here to win. <laughs> love it love it Dennis Galatzos joins us he uh every Thursday he does his own thing here every three until five his show's better than mine when I'm on it I'm better than I usually am because I'm a better guest than a host he's also here on Sundays from eight until noon and you can find him out at Coons Baltimore Ford as well as at the front of uh, Baltimore Positive and and I put the APB out to, to Luke even though I'm, I'm a little down for a few days that the Coons Ford WNST tech service alive and well for any maneuverings of the Orioles or uh, the Ravens or certainly whatever is going to happen. Lamar Jackson will happen first on the WNST tech service. I am Nestor. He is Dennis. We are WNST AM 1570 Towson, Baltimore, and we never stop talking about Lamar Jackson and Baltimore positive. Stay with us.